Calvary Church is located in beautiful Peterborough, Ontario, and is committed to impacting that community with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Each week, one of our preaching team draw powerful life application truths from the Bible. Check us out here or online at calvaryptbo.church. We recently discussed the role of music in their worship services, and these, these pastors wouldn't describe themselves as charismatic or as having a strong emphasis in the move of the Spirit in their services, but they did admit they've been cutting their churches short on what music and corporate singing could do or should do in the midst of a service. They said that music shouldn't be simply a performance, but moments of genuine worship to God. See, we don't sing here at Calvary on Sundays just to fill the time until, you know, you, me, uh, the, the, the hierarchy can stand up here and really do the work of the Lord. No, we, we want corporate worship. We want the, the music. We want the worship to be that of what it is, worshiping God. We sing together because we want to worship God together. And I'm, I'm convinced there is something dynamic that happens when we unite our hearts in worship to God, when we unite them together, but when we also unite our heart with God himself. Now, in most churches, in the context of how we do things, that happens best through music. And that's been like that, I think, all of throughout time. But as we learned about in week number one of our series called Beyond the Song, worshiping God must go, in fact, beyond that song, beyond the singing. In fact, worship, as Tracy defined it in week one, is our response to God. Now, if you were at all in my youth ministry or in the past, when I was a youth pastor here, uh, they, I often talked about worship as being our response to God and love for who he is and what he's done, and that's how I've always defined worship. Brian took it a little different direction last week in week number two of this series, and he defined worship as all that we are reacting rightly to all that he is. He also identified for us that worship must come from the very depths of our being. And when we worship God in this way, it can get emotional. And that's okay. That's not a bad thing. We are emotional beings. And every aspect of who we are must worship God. But let's not see worship as simply singing. Worship goes beyond that. Singing is a great way of worshiping God, but it's not the only way. Worship must be more than that, and it must not just simply be one-dimensional. Worship actually takes many forms, many dimensions. When we worship God, things happen in us, actually, and things happen through us. So I want to pick up that concept that Brian kind of ended with last week and look at Isaiah chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, uh, flop it open in the middle. You'll probably open it up in the book of Psalms. Um, and Isaiah is a few books after that, and so just flip to the right a bit, and you'll come across Isaiah chapter 6. Now if you have your, your uh, smartphone, then you can follow along on that, or your tablet, or you can follow along on the screen as well. We're going to start in verse number 1 of Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. 
With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sins atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. He said, Go. And tell this people. So here Isaiah, the writer of this account, is caught up, basically caught up into a worship service. Not just any worship service, but a celestial one. One with seraphim. Now seraphim are just simply heavenly beings of some sort. So we can assume that this is a true representation of what a worship service should be like. Notice what this service does, does, though, for Isaiah. In verses 4 and 5, it states, At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And, and Isaiah says, Woe to me! I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. See, what happens in the midst of our worship services can happen with what happened with Isaiah. Isaiah was humbled before God. Because in the moment our eyes are opened in worship, we can see God for who he really is. And in our midst, we too, here in this corporate setting, we have the opportunity of worshiping God and seeing God for who he really is. Because worship opens our eyes to see Christ for who he really is. Now, I'm, I'm so guilty about going through my day and, and at times simply just doing my own thing. And I, and I find myself often neglecting to see God in, in amongst my life, in and around my life. And how he's working and doing things. And I think maybe some of you are probably like that as well. I, I'm assuming. Hopefully I'm not the only one that does that. But when I take time to worship, I begin to see Jesus in a different light. And I begin to see how he's interacting with me on a daily basis. My eyes are open. But you got to note something here. Isaiah wasn't the one who initiated the worship. It was the seraphim. And as a result, Isaiah was brought along in worship. And the Lord is revealed to him. You see, when we come together in corporate worship, we actually support one another. We bring each other along with us. To see Jesus for who he really is. In fact, our worship can even open the eyes of those who are far from God as well. 
Worship can be, in many respects, can be evangelistic or a way of telling others about Jesus. Notice what the seraphim were saying here. They said in verse 3, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. They're speaking out who God is for everyone to hear. The key, a key aspect of worship is the proclamation of truth of who Jesus really is. So when we share our faith, we are in fact worshiping God. And others can see God for who he really is. We worship God and it brings others along with us to open their eyes and our eyes to see Christ for who he really is. But worship doesn't stop there. It also opens our eyes to see ourselves for who we really are. When we worship with all that we are, it's like a veil is pulled away and we see Christ for who he really is and it also causes us to see who we are as well. See, no sin can stand hidden in the presence of a holy God. All our pride is revealed. All our selfish desires, our hatred, our bitterness, our desire to be not just like God, our desire to be our own God. It's all laid open. And we have to come to grips with it. Now honestly, I think this is one of the key reasons why some refuse to worship God with all that they are. Because if you're anything like me, I don't like being vulnerable. I don't like admitting I'm wrong, and I don't like not being in control. Now I know, when, though, when I spend time in worship, in true worship, when I'm, when I'm responding to God in love for who he is and for what he's done, when I tap into all of my emotions, all of my intellect, all of my soul, I know, because it happens way too often, I find myself in despair saying the very same thing or similar things to that of Isaiah. I am ruined, God. I'm a man of unclean lips. I cannot stand in your presence. My humanity, my frailty, my sin, it causes me to collapse in the midst or in the presence of an almighty God. But as humbling as that is, people, there is no no other place to be. Because look what happens. In verse 6, it says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, "This, See, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. When we admit who we really are before the all-knowing God, well, Seriously, he knows everything anyways. He's, he's all-knowing. You're not, you're not telling him something he doesn't already know. But when we admit before an all-knowing God, humbling ourselves before him, longing for his forgiveness, he comes and he cleanses our sin, our iniquity, and he places us in a right standing with God. Worship opens our life to experience God's forgiveness. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 tells us, if we confess our sins, He, Christ, is faithful 
and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Our worship leads us into a right standing with God. We cannot worship God proclaiming the truth of who he is without being humbled and getting right with God. We must come to God in worship. We must be completely bare before the Almighty God, and we can't hold anything back. When that happens, now listen, are there going to be feelings of remorse or grief? Yes, probably there will be, especially if you haven't spent that time in worship or come to worship Him in a while. But on the other side, when we come to God in worship, it brings freedom, it brings life, it brings joy, it brings excitement, it brings peace, it brings hope, it brings restoration. There's so much worth it on the other side. There may be sorrow, but we don't stay there. In fact, it's brief because God's, because God's forgiveness comes instantaneously at the moment we come to him in repentance. This is why we need to come to Jesus daily in worship. This isn't just something we do on Sundays. We must worship him daily. Now, I'm not going to get into all of that too much for that's, that's next week's message, and, and we, we have Pastor Maureen Patrick with us to, uh, to share with us on that a little bit more. I know, I just lost everybody. <laughs> yes, Pastor Maureen. Now, for you who may be relatively new to, to Calvary Church, Pastor Frank and Pastor Maureen were the lead pastors before uh, I assumed the position as lead, and they were here for 26 years, and so many of you have deep, deep uh, memories of Pastor Maureen, and uh, and so we're excited to have her. No, no doubt about it. She's a, she's you know we I still have a great relationship with with Frank Maureen. It's awesome to connect with them when I can, and so it's great that she's going to be here. But that's next week. So focus, people. All right, focus. Now this gets me to the uh, the point that I really want to uh, address this morning. And that's our worship, with all that we are, will bring us into right standing with God, but it doesn't stay there. It will naturally produce in us a desire to live for him different. See, worship opens our hearts to serve God willingly. Listen to Isaiah's comments. In response to when his sins are forgiven, and the, the, then he heard, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send, and, and who will, will go for us? And he quickly says, here I am, send me. This is the same kind of thought process that Jesus himself tells us will happen when he, when he was asked about what the greatest commandment was. Jesus says, listen, you want to know the greatest commandment? Yeah. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's the first and greatest. Pursue him. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, when we give all that we are to God, and when we are in right standing with him, the natural byproduct of that is being sent out, of that is loving others around us. Our worship is seen not just in the songs we sing, but it's in the actions that we take each and every day. You see, when we worship God, we will share our faith. 
When we worship God, we will serve our coworkers. When we worship God, we will love our family. When we worship God, we will seek to restore the broken lives around us. When we worship God, we will be empowered by the Spirit to do all those things. And so much more. What if we, as a church, were known for being a worshiping church? People who were so passionate about God and pursuing all that God has for us. What impact would we have in reaching those who are far from Christ? What broken lives could we help mend for the sake of Christ's kingdom? This morning, I have the opportunity of having Kathy Tollefson with us. Kathy is the executive director of Global Family Canada, a not-for-profit mission that exists to preserve the family and protect at-risk children all around the world. One of the extensions of Global Family Canada is the Daughter Project, which is an initiative for the prevention, shelter, and aftercare of Canadian girls at risk of sex trafficking and sexual exploitation. Now, you may have heard one of us talk about this over the last few months as they're about to open their very first home here in Peterborough later this year. And we, as Calvary Church, have a unique opportunity to partner with the home. But I know I won't be able to do any of this justice, and so I want to invite Kathy to come and share briefly about this initiative. Now, following the service... Uh, Kathy will be presenting even greater or having a Q&A uh, a little bit more in our music room just on the other side of this wall to my right. And uh, so for those of you who want to know more about this project, I'd love for you to stick around for a few minutes and hear more about how this is going to impact people and maybe how you can get involved in the midst of that. But Kathy, at this time, why don't you come and share with us? Good morning. Hey, that makes a difference, doesn't it? All right, so we want to start everything with why. Why do we exist? Well, we exist because every day in this country, young Canadian girls are being lured, groomed, sold, bought, and raped. And they, this is happening across the country of Canada. It's happening across this province of Ontario, but it is also happening right here in this community of Peterborough. And at the heart of everything that we do is the belief that these precious girls and every girl at risk of these atrocities is as precious to God as our very own daughters. Amen? And because of what we know, we are absolutely compelled to do something about it. You just can't look away when you become aware of this. Now, human trafficking is a very large and growing problem right here in our country. It's considered one of the fastest growing crimes here in the province of Ontario. And we estimate last year somewhere between 3,300 and 3,500 young girls were trafficked in the province of Ontario. The average age a girl is trafficked is 12 to 14 years of age. 
So how do we approach this? Well, we are a global organization and we have just gone into the country of Scotland, which has made it our 10th country. So we work in 10 countries around the world. And Daughter Project Program has a three-part approach, prevention, shelter, and aftercare. So prevention, we believe that the best measure of prevention is locally driven efforts where local volunteers using local resources reach the girls in their community going after what we know is the root vulnerability of exploitation, which is low value and low self-esteem. And this has taken on the form of daughter project clubs or girls empowerment clubs. It's a place where local women spend time mentoring young girls, where girls learn about self-esteem, problem solving, women's issues, and planning for the future. Yes, making them aware of possible risks that they will face, but reaching for more than just bringing awareness. It's setting their life on a different trajectory. We do not think that we are the answer to this big, huge, dark problem, but I can tell you today that this has been a proven model in countries and communities all around the world. Then we have shelter. We want to intervene in a young girl's life and restore her to her family. Around the world, we have opened 13 shelters. Our latest one was two and a half years ago in Bakersfield, California. And I believe it was somewhere, it was under a month, it was around the three week mark that our shelter um, was full to capacity and it has remained so for every day that it has been opened. These are places where young girls who are escaping or exiting commercial sexual exploitation can receive uh, care and much needed help. And then aftercare. We believe the best long-term aftercare is within the context of family, not an institution. So as an organization, we do all that we can to return a girl to her family. And if that's not possible or wise, we work to provide a family setting for these precious girls to continue in aftercare with the hope of God's restoring love and grace to bring them to fullness of life. You know, these girls, the atrocities that they experience, they will never be the same after, which is why we put such great emphasis on prevention. But we are so thankful that we have hope in God. Isn't that right? So finally, what? What are we doing here in Canada? Well, for the past three and a half years that we have been actively working here in Canada, we've been uh, giving a lot of effort to bringing awareness, to shine a light on what we consider to be a very dark Canadian secret. I would wager to say that for many here today, uh, some of the stuff that you're hearing, um, you may even be surprised that this is happening right here in our country. 
We've seen communities all across Ontario begin prevention work by starting girls clubs, girls empowerment clubs, and uh, we've seen right here in the city of Peterborough, out of Northview Church, on uh, Tuesdays, they do an after-school program at a local school. It's a place where local women volunteers who are investing their time to make a difference in the lives of girls in their community. Also, because of donations from women in this church through the Life Fund Project of EOD, we took some of that money a couple years ago that you raised for us, and we translated our curriculum into French. And we've taken Daughter Project to Quebec and to French Canada. And you know, we're thrilled with all that has happened in the last two and a half years, or three and a half years. But we know that there is so much more to do. And we are currently moving into phase two, which is shelter. And as Pastor Paul said, we have chosen the city of Peterborough to open our first Canadian shelter. So that will be our 14th. The Daughter Project Girls Home will be a 24-7 live-in residential facility which provides intervention and treatment services to girls ranging between 11 to 17 years of age who have been identified as commercially sexually exploited children. The home's going to provide trauma-informed care, wraparound services, including physical, mental health assessment, access to treatment, nutrition, creative arts, and, and lots more. And I'm excited to tell you today that we get the keys to our house May 1. Can you say praise the Lord? Oh, you do not know how exciting that is. We are well on our way in our licensing pro, uh, process. We've been raising funds for the last couple of years, and we're just looking at raising our last $200,000 that we need in our opening uh, funds. Uh, we are aiming and trusting the Lord. If all goes well, we are aiming for a fall 2019 open. Now, I say all of that, but I know it is going to take a lot of miracles to open this home. But I am so glad that today we serve a miracle-working God. Amen? Amen. So what can you do? Well, mentor a young girl. Empower a young girl. Considering starting a, a girls' empowerment club in your community. Mentor the young girls. If you have time to spend with a young girl, you can absolutely change her life. You can give financially. As I mentioned before, we're still on the, on the home stretch of raising funds to open the door. Give. And maybe you're here today and God has given you the capacity to give a larger amount. But if you can give a small amount, I tell you, it all adds up together. We can make a difference. So prayerfully consider uh, how you might be able to give financially. And when I say that prayer, prayer, we need your prayers. 
in everything that we are doing here, we are pushing back the forces of darkness. I mean, there's a lot of sin and darkness out there, but I tell you, in the last five years since I've been involved in this, I have to believe that this is one of the darkest things out there because this is happening to our children. And as we push back the forces of darkness, how many of you know that the enemy comes against us? We experience it. So pray with us, stand with us as we push back and, and accomplish this. We very much today want to invite you to be part of this story. That's very much our tagline, be part of this story. We don't say help us. We say come along and be part of this story. We are writing a beautiful story of empowering young girls' lives and putting their life on a different trajectory. We will provide a beautiful home and a staff that understands the trauma that these girls have experienced to help these precious young girls go from victims of terrible atrocities to survivors. But we cannot do this alone. Will you join us, my dear friends? Because we are doing all of this for our precious young girls. Bless you, my dear friends. And again, if you want to chat more, I'll meet you in the music room after this service. Thank you. I want to encourage you, if you maybe are here this morning and you're like, oh, I'm ready to give right now. Well, you can do so. Just go on to calvaryptbo.church, the website, or uh, on the app on your phone or wherever your, your device is. Click on the give, and then just put Daughter Project. Everything that comes in for Daughter Project will go towards this initiative. And so we want to encourage you to live it out. Be generous. We want to stand with you, Kathy, in this. Uh, this isn't something that she does on her own. We want to stand together. We, we have to stand together as the church in things like this. Whenever and wherever there is brokenness, the church must step up and fill that void. People, we are the body of Christ, and he seeks to use us as his hands and as his feet. The reality is, is if we, if we as the church don't step up and do something about the injustices of this world, someone else will. But leaving it to those without a faith in Christ to step up and do something will only result in greater despair. Now I know not everyone in this room is called to give extensively in this area of need, but some of you are. We can all do something, yes. We can all give a little. We can all pray a little. We can all, uh, we can all give in some small way. But some of you, God is calling to step up in a large way. And you need to be obedient to that. This is why we bring in presentations or, or different uh, ideas like this to you. Because I'm convinced that God has already placed in some of us desires. And he is calling us to do something about those desires. Not everyone may be called to help with the daughter project, but everyone is called in one way or another. And you need to be obedient to what God is calling you to do. But some of you, you may not know where God is calling you, or, or maybe you do. 
but maybe you're just stuck on the how, or, or maybe you know, but you're just simply refusing and rejecting that prompt because of fear or whatever else you may be feeling today. But that's why I bring this up in the midst of our series on worship. Because when we truly worship God, God works on us. We want to reach the 3% of Peterborough? It begins with worship. We want to reach our family, our coworkers, our friends with the gospel? Begin with worship. We want to see the injustices of life dealt with? Begin with worship. Make yourself vulnerable before God in worship today. As the team comes to lead us in a time of corporate worship, may I encourage you to focus in on all that you are in worship this morning. Lay everything bare before God today and allow him to overwhelm you with his presence, pulling back the veil that may be between you and God. And I know what may happen if you do. I know that you may become as one of our songs that we sing around here says, you may become a little undone in his presence, but there's no greater place to be. Because when we become undone and we humble ourselves before God, it's at that point that we find ourselves being where he wants us. Yes, safe in his hands, but also in a position for him to speak to us about where he wants us to go and what he wants us to do. But the best part about it is, we're going to be beyond the moon excited about doing it. Let's begin the journey this morning, and let's worship God. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are calling us in, in ways that maybe we aren't quite even aware of yet. But God, as we come to worship this morning... Lord, I ask that you would speak to us. Lord, worship opens us up to hearing from you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would see us bare before you today, humbled before you. And Lord, as we see you for who you really are, as we see ourselves for who we really are, Lord, come and cleanse us, make us whole again, and then speak to us about what you would have us to do. And I know, Lord, we will do it willingly because you are an amazing God and we worship you today. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are, for what you've done. The children's program runs until the top of the hour, so you have some time here. You don't need to rush out of here. The worship team will lead us in another song or two. So I want to encourage you to take some time to worship God this morning. When you feel ready to leave, please feel, please feel free to do so. But if, if you linger here for a while or if you are going about your week or maybe even later on this week when you meet with your life group, I want to challenge you to, to maybe think about and discuss this question with others. When I find myself worshiping God, what is he asking me to do? When I find myself worshiping God, what is he asking me to do?
wrestle with that question today. God bless you. See you next week, and maybe we'll even see you bring somebody with you.